your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy these episodes and want to catch up on some of the earlier action or, you know, subscribe for future updates, be sure to like, follow, and sub on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. You'll never miss an update from Lockdown Winnipeg Jets. I hope you find folks are having a fabulous weekend. It has been a pretty rollicking start to the NHL uh, for good and bad in some ways. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical about how long this can go on as it is. But let's just try and, I guess, look on the bright side, at least for parts of this. I think the NHL has not really put in the kind of framework that makes me feel comfortable with all of these games running. But it's going to go on for as long as the NHL deems it, uh, you know, financially viable, and I, I assume that that would become an issue if too many teams start testing positive for COVID. You know, and speaking of updates regarding COVID, the Jets have actually canceled their practice today because of some sort of potential exposure to COVID, which I think for all of us makes us very nervous. We just had the potential scare with Nikolai Ehlers, who did in fact come back to the Jets and was not, you know, positive testing for COVID. But still, you know, if you have a potential exposure and it's like a super spreader situation, COVID moves very quickly through teams, and I think we've already seen with Dallas, it ravaged that squad. I mean, they had, what, 17 staff and players test positive? That's really unacceptable. Hopefully, this too shall pass and, and things kind of calm down a little bit, but, you know, COVID's going to be here for a while, and I feel like the NHL just doesn't have a really good plan for how to deal with it. When they ran the bubble system, yes. I think mental health-wise, it was probably very taxing on the players, they had to be away from their families and friends for, you know, multiple months. But relatively speaking, it was a fairly short time frame, and I think overall it was pretty successful. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. But I think this new approach where they just don't have any bubbles and they're actually traveling around Canada and the U.S., I don't know, I just don't really feel comfortable with all of it. All of this slight negativity aside, on tonight's episode I did want to talk about a couple of things. I thought I'd grade Winnipeg's early performance against the, uh, the the Calgary Flames, because I think there are some interesting parts that could do with a little bit more of a, uh, a microscopic lens. And I think one of the things that kind of came up in an Arctic Ice Hockey recap that I put together was that people were like, well, you know, Tucker Pullman and Sami Niku, there were plenty of commenters saying these guys aren't NHLers and they really struggled. I pointed out that, like, Sami Niku, right, had a first couple of periods that I thought were actually fairly decent compared to what we expect from him. Pullman, on the other hand, I feel like a first couple of periods really rough. You know, paired with Josh Morrissey, I tend to think Tucker has a lot more responsibility than he's probably used to handling. And I think a top pairing deployment with somebody who actually isn't a top pairing defender himself probably puts Pullman under a lot of pressure, and I don't really think he's capable of handling that many minutes. It's not like Tucker is like a young rookie anymore. I mean, he's basically the same age as Dylan DeMello, which somebody brought up on Twitter recently, and I was like, wow, you know, I kind of hadn't thought about that in a while. But by the same token, he's also played a lot of NHL games by now, so we sort of know what Pullman is capable of, and I think 
in a third pairing role, he's actually been very strong. He's shown like really good puck movement. If you're kind of giving him limited, you know, utility roles, especially in being like an offensive creator in the offensive zone, I think he's actually very effective at that. You just don't want to start throwing him out against really high-end, high-skill players who kind of beat him on the outside and then cut in and essentially force him to try and read and react. He really struggles with recognizing like high-level NHL danger, so make it a little bit easier on him, you know? I, I don't love having Neil Pionk in a top-pairing role either, but I think Pionk-Morrissey might be able to tread water. If you did, like, Forbort and Niku and then maybe some kind of Bowie-Pullman pairing as a third... Maybe you could get away with that. All in all, though, from that first game, I'd probably grade the defensive performance like a B, maybe a B minus. I think that there were a number of issues, especially early in the game, where it was like, you know, all all in all, like their their underlying numbers, especially towards the end of the game, looked fine on paper. But there were definitely moments and performances where I feel like, yeah, you know, at first period, it's going to stick in my mind a lot more. The defenders having good games for the most part might be a little bit more to do with the fact that they didn't have as much work to do once Calgary's uh, forwards and players were sort of taken out of the equation by Winnipeg's offensive efforts. Not to say that all of the defenders were bad, I thought that Derek Forbort for the most part had a pretty good night, and Josh Morrissey, once he was out of really high-pressure situations, was okay. I just didn't really love that pairing, and I feel like Morrissey, when there was a lot more speed and pressure coming from Calgary, showed that he does indeed have limitations. As far as the other forwards are concerned and skaters are concerned, I would give like the forward group probably a solid B plus to an A minus. I thought that especially late in the game when they started to pressure at even strength and really dominate Calgary, I mean, they just kind of tore them apart. Calgary had no real answer. Winnipeg was creating a lot of high danger chances. And some of those looks I felt probably should have been goals were it not for Jacob Markstrom or a really good block here and there. I think barring that first period, Winnipeg did pretty much everything right by my book. I can't really recall too, too many moments where I felt like the Jets had made massive mistakes that should heavily be punished. I thought the Jets had a really good second and third period. I think that they did exactly what they needed to once they found themselves in a severe deficit. I think my worry is that this is going to be a, like a continual thing with this team, which, you know, I don't think any of us would be particularly surprised. But, you know, you also want to see this team find a little bit more consistency, and if they have to constantly pull themselves out of severe deficits every game, that's going to be very taxing for the Jets. Let's hope it's not a consistent theme, even though you and I both know it's probably going to be an issue. As far as the goaltending is concerned, going to give it like a B-, maybe a C+. Hellebuck, especially in that first period or so, really looked very rusty. Again, I'm not really going to put too much pressure on him. He just won a Vezina. He hasn't had much game time recently. He's going to have a few games where he needs to settle in. Hopefully, he'll find a little bit more uh, solid grounding, just because I could see him kind of floundering and not really feeling comfortable in his crease. I don't know if he was coming out a little bit too far, and he just didn't have like the spatial awareness quite there yet until he got the feel of it. But he did make a couple of really great stops, on, especially on some like odd man situations. I think he'll be fine throughout the rest of the season. Just one of those things where it's kind of like, yeah, you know, a little bit of a rust in that opening game. You know, pretty much everyone was in some way, shape, or form rusty, but Hellebuck especially had a real mare of a first period. Guess I can grade the coaching too, and I'm going to give them like a B-. minus. I think that that opening period really bothered me in a lot of ways because it's a kind of tactical stuff that last season and earlier seasons have plagued Maurice's tenure of, of really defensive hockey that doesn't go anywhere, trying to dump it along the walls and chase, but not really having the personnel to do that. Just rough, but once the players actually started being a little bit more offensively aggressive and pressing higher up the ice, 
I felt the Jets actually put on a pretty good performance, so I will say that the coaching staff maybe made some adjustments during the first period intermission that ultimately got the team going, and everything kind of worked out in the end. If the Jets could just do that for a full 60 minutes, I'd probably feel a little bit more comfortable. All in all, opening night grade, gonna give them like a B minus, B I think is fair. It's, you know, an alright game. One of those situations where, like, the, the latter 40 minutes were fantastic and the opening 20 minutes were a complete disaster. So, <laughs> pretty typical of Winnipeg hockey at this rate. As far as the rest of the league is concerned, I'll update you on some of the games from yesterday in just a moment and talk about uh, future games upcoming throughout the next couple of days towards the end of the show. But before then, I wanted to tell you about betonline.ag. We are rolling right into the NFL playoffs, and I'm sure a lot of you are actually pretty diehard football fans, whether you're supporting the Baltimore Ravens, maybe even the Cleveland Browns, or you're a Buffalo Bills fan, or perhaps even a Saints fan. Whoever you're backing in this postseason, maybe you also want to place a bet on them and you think you've got the Lombardi Trophy winner picked in your pocket. If you're looking for the safest, most reliable, one-stop shop for all of your online betting needs, look no further than betonline.ag. They've got all the hottest college football, NFL, basketball, NHL, and sports action you could possibly need. Instead of suffering through boring sports and being a sideline spectator, log on to betonline.ag today and create your free account. It's super easy, and when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, don't forget, when you're creating your very free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are following up on all of the NHL's uh, opening action throughout the past couple of days, and we also graded Winnipeg's performance just a little bit ago. Before we go any further, though, and talk about last night's NHL action, I wanted to tell you about why you should be listening to Locked on Bets right now. 2020 is mercifully over, and now it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want even more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Speaking of lots of wins in 2021, we are looking at a couple of games from last night that were actually pretty interesting. I think there were some surprise upsets and maybe some results that people really weren't expecting, and we'll talk about who was the biggest winner and who was the biggest loser. Biggest winner is probably going to be the Ottawa Senators, who defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-3. Now, I think Toronto, as I've said in previous podcasts, I don't think that they're as good as they should be this year. You know, a lot of the acquisitions that they've brought in, guys like Wayne Simmons, Jumbo Joe Thornton, These players are not exactly up to speed. I think the way that Toronto has typically played is really fast, direct, vertical counters with a lot of high-end speed and a lot of high-end skill. These guys are not necessarily fitting that mold. You know, Joe is obviously very good at being an excellent distributor, but if you're using him on the top line and stuff, you're kind of neutralizing what makes Toronto so dangerous because Thornton just can't keep up as much as he used to. He's, you know, he's what, like 40 at this rate? In like a more depth role or maybe as like a special power play quarterback, I think Joe Thornton is like a fantastic depth forward and somebody who might fit a lot of teams that play a slower approach and style. But the way Toronto plays, I'm just not sure the fit is there. And bringing in Wayne Simmons for like toughness and grit is, I I guess it's not the worst concept if you think that that's the central reason why you haven't won in the postseason. But Simmons just doesn't really contribute much else, especially at even strength. And it's kind of a problem. If you want to bring in a tough guy, you got to look at players like Josh Anderson and Tom Wilson. You know, Wilson, for obvious reasons, I'm not a huge fan of. But at, in terms of, like, on-the-ice impact and effectiveness, these guys are tough and skilled, which is something that I think is really important for a lot of players. 
Simmons doesn't really bring as many star qualities on the ice, and I think that that is an issue as he's declining in age. He used to be really great, but nowadays, he's probably like a depth forward, like a 13th guy. The Sens, for their part, did enough to take advantage of Toronto's lack of speed, and I think that that really showed, especially on like power plays and stuff, where Ottawa was able to kind of capitalize and really just sort of wear down this slower Toronto team. I think the Leafs are usually used to trying to dominate speed and kill you in transition, and when they're not doing that, they're trying to do it instead with zone possession, but if you have offensive zone possession and you're not even able to grind down those wall battles and really win slot area chances then none of that possession really matters. You have to actually wear down your opponent and get a lot of cross-ice movement, and I don't think Toronto has done that. So in this case, I think Ottawa is a huge winner. I think that this is probably a very surprising result for the team. And even Toronto's first overtime win, I think, suggested that there was trouble in paradise, that things maybe weren't as good as they were going to seem. So, yeah, you know, the Leafs might be in a little bit of trouble, especially in a northern division that's going to be very wide open this year. As for the biggest loser of the night, it's going to have to be the St. Louis Blues, who got absolutely demolished 8-0 by the Colorado Avs. Now, the opening game was a lot closer, and I think Colorado had a couple of, like, mental gaffes and things that ended up, you know, giving the Blues a nice advantage. I think St. Louis won, like, 5-2 or something. Last night, though, the Blues just got absolutely eviscerated, and Colorado tore them apart. I mean, just completely and utterly dominated them, which you don't really see very often. It's actually impressive that Colorado was able to just completely swarm the puck and just overwhelm the Blues defenders and skaters, but wow. If Colorado plays like that throughout the rest of the season, which they probably won't, but they will have games like this, then I think the postseason picture for them is going to be very entertaining. The Avs are one of those teams that doesn't really have like an amazing blue line and maybe has a, a little bit of like a league average goaltending duo, but I think if you can get them to mostly put a lot of the onus on the forwards to do the rest of the heavy lifting, I think the Avs are going to be fine. They've become a real pest over the past couple of seasons, and it turns out that as they continue to just enhance their prospect pipeline, they're going to be even more dangerous as the years wear on. They don't even have some of their top young players coming in yet. They've got Kale McCarr and Nate McKinnon, of course, but they've got Bowen Byram, Jean-Luc Foudy, lots of other talented kids who are going to start entering the fold sooner rather than later. If you are a team watching that, especially an opposing team, and eventually when they go back to the regular Central Division next season, you know, one of the Central contenders like the Winnipeg Jets, it's going to be scary having to go up against that Avs team. Can't say I'm like eagerly anticipating Winnipeg going back into the Central and getting torn apart by the Avs, but you never know, maybe the Jets find some way to start getting younger, faster, and better. You know, I always like to wish for pie in the sky things, so maybe Winnipeg being good again is one of those wishes I can actually have one day. Speaking of upcoming wishes, I suppose, we'll talk about some of the upcoming slate of NHL games, including Winnipeg's next matchup, but before then, I thought you should hear about why you need to be buying all of your car parts from rockauto.com. When it comes to vehicular maintenance during quarantine, finding the best auto part shop can be a real pain in the butt, especially if you don't know what you're looking for. I know myself I'm not exactly an automotive expert, so knowing what I'm looking for and how much I should be paying is always a real difficult process. If you're like me and looking for the one-stop shop for everything you need for your vehicle at an affordable price, look no further than rockauto.com. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to find everything you need by make, year, and model, and set a price range so you get the parts you need at the prices you want. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. They have everything you need, whether it's a new engine control module or a brand new floor mat to replace the one you dropped that greasy taco on. And better yet, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. Best of all, everyone pays the same prices, whether you're an experienced DIYer or a budding brand new mechanic. When you place an order, be sure to write locked on the knee how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today.
Welcome back to this closing segment of Locked on Winnipeg Jets. I hope you haven't been enjoying tonight's episode of plenty of preview coverage, some recaps, and all the you know hot NHL action you can possibly handle at this rate, especially the stuff that involves the Jets. Tonight's NHL action, though, and for the next couple of days, Winnipeg is not going to be playing until next Monday. So you're going to have to be content with a couple of really interesting games. One that I would definitely be tuning into is coming up in just a little bit tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern between Montreal and Edmonton. Montreal is going to be a real pain in the Northern Division. They might be one of the most well-rounded NHL teams in the Canadian squad. I think that they have a lot of speed, a lot of skill. They've got really pesky, crossy movement. Um, Their goaltending and defense is a little bit sus, but I think it's more on the defense than it is uh, Carey Price or anything like that. I just feel like their blue line is going to get caved in a lot, but as far as their forwards are concerned, a lot of skill, really great distribution, some good releases, great vision. I mean, that's just a really dangerous team. The Oilers are basically, you know, the Oilers. They've got McDavid and some other underappreciated and underrated players, but I think McDavid and Dreisaitl is going to be more than enough and more than a match for a lot of other teams. The Habs present an interesting challenge, and I would like to see how Edmonton reacts to the additional speed and pace that they're going to have to contend with and defend against, because let's be honest, you know, Edmonton doesn't really have the greatest defense in the world. They're a lot like Montreal in that their blue line is a bit of a weakness, but as far as their goaltending is concerned, I think it's going to be okay. Uh, it's really going to come down to McDavid versus the top end of Montreal's roster. Also of interest is another Toronto and Ottawa game, which should be interesting. It's going to be around the same time at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm looking forward to it just because I want to see how Toronto reacts after a really bad loss to the Sens yesterday. They need speed. That's just going to be it. They need speed and skill. I think they, if they kind of rework some of those lines and figure out a way to make their slower skaters an integral part of the team without holding them back a lot, should be a lot better results than what we've seen so far. Um, as far as the rest of the evening is concerned, you've got Columbus versus Nashville, Carolina versus Detroit, who cares? Uh, that's going to be a bit of a blowout, I'm sure, because the Red Wings are pretty bad. You've got New York versus New York, which I think the Islanders should again cruise to another easy victory over the Rangers. Who knows, maybe the, the Rangers are going to have a big response, but man, that New York Rangers team is really bad. And then closing out the night, you've got Minnesota versus LA, if I haven't mentioned that already, and then Anaheim versus Vegas, and Vancouver versus Calgary. Another interesting game, Vancouver and Calgary might be like a decent match for one another. Vancouver doesn't have a whole lot of skill in terms of like depth players, but their top nine is pretty decent, and I think their defense is like okay, not great, but okay. Calgary bit of the same boat, although I think their top nine is significantly weaker than what, um, you know, Vancouver has in terms of snipers and stuff like that, but they're going to have to be a lot sharper at even strength than what they showed against the Jets, because after that first period, they got absolutely trampled. Tomorrow should be a lot of fun. We've got, you know, Washington Capitals versus the Pittsburgh Penguins at noon, and then Chicago versus Florida at 7 p.m. Those are the only games, though. It's going to be pretty quiet, and then you get lots of action on Monday. Winnipeg will be facing the Toronto Maple Leafs at 7 p.m. on Monday, which should be an interesting game. I think the Jets have the firepower and the talent to probably give, you know, Toronto at least a little bit of a fit. If the Sens can beat, you know, Toronto, I feel like the Jets should easily be able to do so as well, although we all know that that's not really the case with the Jets. I'm sure it's going to be a very tense, close game. That just always seems to be how it is against Toronto. Either it's going to be a really close game or Toronto's going to run over the Jets. I don't expect the the latter. I think it's going to be a close game, but hopefully Winnipeg doesn't find itself in an early hole that it can't climb out of because that's always been a serious issue with this team. And at times the Jets kind of get ahead of themselves and really struggle to come back in games where they've already conceded like three goals. 
think the priority right now is that everyone is just healthy, though, and that there's no actual COVID exposure that's gotten anyone infected, because that would super suck, man. Let's let's just hope that everyone stays healthy, that the game proceeds as normal, and that anyone who does get sick is, is taken care of and, and sidelined until they're fully fit and healthy again. That is going to wrap up our preview coverage, though. We'll have more stuff tomorrow talking about whatever happens between Washington and Pittsburgh and Chicago and Florida, as well as some of the other games from tonight. Before you log off, be sure to tune into Locked on NHL. The NHL regular season is well underway, and the best way to keep track of all of it is by subscribing to Locked on NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. Subscribe to Locked on NHL on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!